Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And from the madness that has been the last two years, we have finally reached the 2021 NRL Grand Final. And it certainly hasn't been without its hiccups and its challenges, Boxhead. But hopefully uh, we'll get there this Sunday. There's been a little bit of news today about a shrinking of the capacity of the crowd to 75%. Um, Some are already saying already they're talking about 50%. And now there's suggestions it could possibly even be postponed, which is crazy to think... um, Certainly didn't see this coming, but fingers crossed it doesn't get anywhere near that and we get a game this weekend, at least with a 75%. Yeah, well, instead of three months ago, you're dealing with a moron in Queensland in government. I like, if there's enough health concern, then they should be locked down because essentially, like, what's the difference between 100% and 75%? There's still going to be a whole shitload of people mingling. So if health's a concern, and then I guess but I say no people can go like I don't understand what you know going from 100 to 75 to 50 does um, and I'm pretty sure their vaccination rate in Queensland isn't quite as high as ours so there's, there's obviously health concerns there so yeah I would, I would expect if it, if it escalates tomorrow um, we're, not, we're not talking about huge numbers there in Queensland at the moment but we know how quickly it's sort of spread here and in Victoria so yeah, there's definitely got to be some concern there from the government's perspective, but who, who knows? Like with Palaszczuk, and we've been on about before, I'm not going to go down the political road, but yeah, you just you just don't know. And you know, if, if there's enough concern, then you know, I think the, the right thing to do would be to lock people out. If that's if health is a concern, then put health at the forefront. Um, I think just to, to present it put a percentage on it I mean you know it's, yeah it's, there's people that can't get in into Queensland as sick relatives or dying relatives and yeah it just it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense at the moment but um it'd be god it'd be strange for it to be postponed fuck that wouldn't that be something new well I'll put it this way um, I don't think they... where does it go like they're not going to go to Townsville because Townsville's got cases as well so Mate, bring it on, Z. Bring it back home, baby. Oh. It'll be um, Nipsey Faye delayed a week and play on the Sunday night. It's the 10th of October anyway. We're out of lockdown the next day. Yeah, well, you'd think if all things going worst case scenario, 50%, 40,000, it's better than having none. You yeah, get... we're guessing, mate. Who, who knows? I get that. Like, I get that. But I think the main point here is if the goalposts move again, and people said it today, especially the ex-players, 
what's the fucking difference between 52,000 or 40,000 for 75% like if it's that much of a concern yeah exactly if there's health concern there's health concern like the number like she's going to lock down like so like well you can't there are people allowed to go in or not like I don't really think the number is that important is it it's like they're all right like that's the head scratching part for me yeah. so financially like what what happens with that gap like so so say let's say that everything goes rosy over the next few days and they it goes to 75% so who who makes up the gap in the gate do the NRL just lose that or do the government make that up or how, how does that work I'd assume they just lose it. They've paid for the final series in general, but in terms of what they get from the gate, I guess they just miss out. I think they paid, they paid $4 million for the grand final, is that right? Oh, I'm not sure. I think they paid a total... So that be what the NRL are guaranteed. But, I mean, it's, it's quite a significant amount of money. Like, if you've got, you know, they're saying, what, 13,000 people that'll miss out, so they've all paid, you know, they'll pay at least 50 bucks a ticket. Yeah, well, I bought for a friend in Queensland using a membership through Sydney and... I think for an adult, the bronze was 70. Silver was like 120. Well, let's go, you know, 70 times 13,000. Like, it's almost a million dollars. Yeah, well, then you're talking... No, it's, not a, it's not a small um, financial issue either. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot to be worked through. Look, look I, I, I just bloody, I bloody hope it's at 75%. And I hope everyone that's bought a ticket um, up in Queensland that's dying to go and was looking so much forward to it because you know who, who knows when the next time they're going to get a grand final in Queensland like oh, I'm born for the Queensland um fans you know like they've, they've had all the footy up there so it'd, it'd be nice for the season to finish up there I think it'd be it'd be really nice for the players because you know they can they can then hook into their off season they've prepared this week they're, they're prepared to play to be choose it'd be difficult to have them say to them tomorrow on Saturday look like guys, the game's delayed a week. Well, this is yeah, that's unheard of. So, but I, I, I do think if they're going to delay it, right, and they push it back to the following Sunday, why, why not New South Wales? That, that's if they postpone. Otherwise, like if they're going to move it and they want to play it this Sunday, then yeah, like New South Wales probably isn't isn't in question this weekend. But if it's next Sunday night, it's the day before we come out of um, lockdown anyway with a. 70% um, double dose so I think we'll, we'll hit you know, 70% by yeah, Sunday I reckon we'll hit 70 by this Sunday no before next Sunday it's 63% right now it's almost that's what I'm saying yeah yeah but Monday Monday is like she said the following Monday yeah the actual the day, day. Opens up. so yeah theoretically you're right yeah we'll, we'll be there before the Sunday so but that but that'd then mean that the government, the New South Wales government, have to sort of go back on some things as well because I'm pretty sure there's there's cap on crowds at stadiums in their opening plan as well. So there's there's just a whole heap of things for the NRL to consider here. Let's just hope the things settle in Queensland. Uh, let's hope that you know we can get the 75 percent of the crowd in, get this game on, and it, that it's a fucking ripper. Let's focus on footy. Yeah, I was going to say, the only thing I really want to talk about in all this, because we've probably spent too long on the politics, is I think the only benefit out of a week off would be for the Panthers, because they've got so many guys that are busted. That I mean, it's a fucking huge advantage for the Panthers. If, if they, they got a... Well, Toto's obviously struggling. We know that Fish is 
going to play with his knee. Leota gets another week for his calf. And the biggest one of all was Dylan Edwards. Who, Dylan, nah, he's, he's done. He's done. It's a medial tear. He's not going to be able to play. Um, but of all the other guys, in particular Dylan Edwards, who's been really, really key for them, he was supposed to do a fitness test today to see how that foot was. An extra week for him and all those guys would be massive for Penrith, even though I'm sure emotionally they're ready to go. Um, I think health-wise, it would be a huge benefit after the run that they've had. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, mate. It's a massive advantage for the Panthers. South, yeah, you know, South they do next week. They're, they're right, prime, ready to go. Yeah, they've had the... But they're going to have a nine-day turnaround anyway. Yeah. So to push it back another week, it'll be a 16-day turnaround for South. And again, they've only played two games because obviously they did, Correct, the, yeah. they did the hard job week one. They had an easier game last week, so they definitely don't want it to go for another week. No, absolutely not. But um, awesome game. The way things have worked out, again, um, it looked predictable for most of the year, as we said, but it's worked out really, really well. We obviously had Melbourne get upset. We had Penrith fall to their side of the draw and have to go through them a week early. We had Souths, who looked like they were red pen material um, with the way they were defending, and then losing Luttrell, who then suddenly clicked in and did the complete opposite of what we expected. They went bang, bang through to the grand final. Um, you know, the storyline's just attached to them with Wayne Bennett. A few years since he's come down, still stuck in that sort of prelim situation. It's now his 10th grand final, his ninth as a head coach, six wins already. Benji Marshall, 16 years on from the Tigers situation. Reynolds with that chance to win before moving to Brisbane. And, you know, funnily enough, the game is in Brisbane and at Suncorp, like a bit of synergy for himself and Wayne and then you've got the Panthers side of things they've certainly earned it and we said this at the start if you lose week one and you get back you've done it the hard way and especially if you end up winning it there could be no sweeter way if they've gone this way they've made it hard no doubt but if they have gone through three wars and somehow end up winning this grand final on Sunday what an achievement and what a time after you know the rebuild putting time back into what should have been the keystone of the Penrith Panthers, which is junior development. There's 12 Penrith juniors or players that were developed through their systems and pathways who debut with the Panthers playing in this grand final on the weekend. And Ivan Cleary also has a chance to finally break uh, his grand final duck. This is his third grand final. Obviously, the loss with the Warriors, the loss last year, and that bit of history that a lot of people talk about where there's been five or six coaches, uh, you know, post 250 games who have never gone on to win a grand final, he gets a second chance to break that. Yeah, a lot of nice storylines. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the X's and O's. I've watched those two South vs Panthers games today in the lead up to this podcast, so I'm excited to talk some footy. I think this game has got a whole heap of little intricacies that are going to play out and different little coaching points that were sort of picked up across you know, watching those two games again today. Um, and I think a lot is going to depend on the fitness of Dylan Edwards. Like, um, that, that foot is going to be key because, you know, if you're going to move Crichton to one, there's a few little things that South sort of exposed in the last two games because a lot of people forget that Dylan Edwards actually went off and then failed his HRA in the round 23 game as well. And Crichton played 60 minutes of fullback in that match. So, Realistically, in those last two games, Dylan Edwards played has played 20 minutes of a possible 160 at fullback. So, yeah, the impact that has, particularly on their defensive organisation, just positioning and set starts, etc., 
um, is huge. So, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's been really nice today just to watch a whole heap of footy and um, just sort of get my head around, you know, how each coach is going to try and break down the other team. And, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of little intricacies that um, we'll get through here in the preview. It's going to be, a, it's going to be good. Looking forward to the game. Yep, well, let's get into that preview. It is the Penrith Panthers who finished second in the regular season up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Both taken certainly different paths and the lineups uh, for South Sydney, 1-17 to as they were last week. Blake Taff, who's been doing an outstanding job at fullback, very, very key again. Johnston and Paulo on the wings, Gagai and Graham, the centres, Walker, Reynolds, the halves, Nichols, Cook, Totola up front, Keon Kalamatungi, Sewer, the back row, Murray the lock and the bench makeup host Burgess Arrow and Marshall their extended bench you wouldn't expect any changes the only player for them that has any sort of doubt but with that nine day turnaround is Reynolds he got through the game last time he kicked his things went on and warmed up I'm sure again they'll ease him through the week if it's something they can needle or do anything to I'm sure they will but if he can't kick uh, obviously the biggest point out of that is obviously the general play kicking and the second part the goal kicking which Taft did an outstanding job last week and Cody Walker kicked very well, but I think it'll be a different story because I doubt they'll get the field position they did um, against Manly up against a Penrith side who's the best defensive team in the comp. But on the flip side, Penrith, not 1-17. to Dylan Edwards is at fullback. Stephen Crichton Toto on the wings. Momorowski, Burton, the centres. Luai and Cleary, the halves. Leota, Api Korosau, Fisher-Harris, the front row. Kikiao, Catewell, the back rowers. And the lock, Isaiah Yo, who will be key Tyron May on the bench, Scotty Sorensen, Spencer Lenu, and obviously Liam Martin. And like you said, multiple clouds, in particular Edwards, probably the biggest one in the most out of those that are left over. If he goes, it's Crichton to one, probably Naden on the wing. He's the 18th man at the moment. Uh, Leota, they said, was basically good to go last week. They didn't want to take the risk, so hopefully he's close to 100%. Yeah, that was the shuffle. For round 23, I think Naden played on on the wing and in the uh, semi-final they had Charlie Stays on the wing so yeah. it's interesting because and in the round 23 match it was neck and neck until the downtown penalty and which caused a lot of controversy and then two key drop balls from Josh Mansell which led to Penrith sort of running away with that game late Josh Mansell was not going to play the player that made a couple of real key errors in the first semi-final was Charlie Stains missed the tackle which allowed South's first try uh, then dropped the ball late so both those players who have had key hands in the last few results between these clubs actually are going to play in the grand final which is yeah quite interesting yeah and then huge health concerns like we said just in general for Penrith hopefully no one else uh, goes yeah, down I really, don't like, I really don't like Penrith if Dylan Edwards is out like I think that just that, that'd be a huge blow yeah and they've also like I said got to contend with Toto as a ticking time bomb I spoke to somebody today who I'm not going to name um, very well connected and that set up there and he said it's amazing that he's still playing and now it's basically all down to the toughness of Brian Toto so it's no longer a matter of you know I get that but he's also missed games since they've brought him back and they brought him back early so well and truly, what I've been told is he's going to be getting surgery again or he's going to have a very light off-season, and it's amazing he's still going. Uh, Nathan Shoulder, we know he's booked in for surgery. When it comes to that sort of injury, it's all about pain tolerance, but it can certainly take you out. He showed he's tough as teeth. Fisher-Harris didn't even want to talk about his knee this week. I'm sure he'll do his job, even if it is lower minutes, and I've 
got a real feeling they're going to need their bench with so many guys under that cloud, as is Laota um, with that calf. So hopefully that holds up because that's an awkward one. And Pungai Jr. did the right thing. They knew the knee was out. They were going to leave it up to him on feeling. Um, but he did the selfless thing and straight away just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take someone's spot, put Spencer in. So Spencer missed out last year, gets a run in the grand final this year. So uh, a lot more concern on the Penrith side of things. But at the end of the day, as we said, no doubt about it. If there's any doubts, um, they'll be needle. Or if anyone's 80 90%, they'll be doing everything they can. And uh, I think the only one we've really, really got concern over potentially missing, which would be huge, is Dylan Edwards. But let's look at these two teams. Let's look at what we think. Let's start with South Sydney. Um, what do you think are some of the keys or some of the areas for South Sydney to win this football game and what they need to do well? Cameron Murray. Cameron Murray in the middle of the field generates offloads, generates quick play the balls because he's got good feet and he gets in between defenders and he provides an offload if he offloads it brings Damian Cook and Cody Walker onto the ball he has caused Penrith huge issues in the last two matches a lot of what, what's been good um, in those games has been on the back of Cameron Murray's carries so I think he's going to be a real key um, in and around the middle of the field and as we keep saying we've said in, you know, in our, a lot of our previews you can't avoid the middle of the field and Cameron Murray's going to be the key, I think, for South Sydney to not only, you know, win some momentum in there, but to bring Damien Cook into the game. Um, Cook, he, he, he made a, a really strong, I think it was a 50 or 60-metre run with one marker on the back of a quick play the ball that Cam Murray generated um, in the first week of the finals. Uh, but in that other round 23 match that I watched today, he... There wasn't a lot of love there for for Murray, um, and it, what is also underrated is the the impact that Murray has in terms of getting penalties. And any time South Sydney get a penalty inside probably forty metres, they just not take the two. Now they they scored sixteen points in that qualifying final. Mm. And only two tries, four penalty goals. And we know they'll do so that. That's, that's way yeah, better. Special, massively underrated. And you know that from work go they're going to do that they're just going to point at the sticks and away we go now I guess the fly in the ointment there is are they going to push on with that plan with if half has to do the kicking so you know if it's 30 or 40 out it's one that you know Reynolds would usually pot are they still going to push forward with that philosophy with you know not as experienced a goal kicker in pressure situations coming to the forefront in, in Young Path. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, I've heard a lot of people this week talk about, with South Sydney talk about, you know, their left side attack, left side attack, left side attack. Well, it's interesting that they've, particularly with Dylan Edwards out, they were setting up to the posts a lot. They were setting up to what we would call 50% or black or to the posts. And while Stephen Crichton has been a fullback, He's quite often got their defensive numbers split incorrect. Now, you've got two markers, a fullback, so you've got a 10-man defensive line most of the time. And on, a, on the few occasions when South have scored tries on their right, and on two occasions they've scored tries on Penrith's right in those two games, and both of them have been while Stephen Crichton is at um, fullback, and both times he's got the defensive split 
wrong. He's put an extra man on Penrith's right, and um, South Sydney has scored on Penrith's left. So I, I think the Dylan Edwards factor is huge in terms of just defensive organisation and the inexperience that Crichton has in that regard. Now, I've got no doubt he'll be better in that area, but he's not going to be foolproof. You need, you need matches and you need experience in organising. You also need to sort of understand the intricacies around you know, what attacking players are where in terms of the opposition, where best to put that extra man. So I think that's going to be really, really key. Um, and that, yeah, that's sort of what I what I saw from South. I don't, you know, I, I expect him to be left side dominant. But you know, if they get to the post there and they get the they get the numbers wrong, should you know Edwards get the numbers wrong, which rarely happens. But you know, if Crohn's got to go to one, it, you know, and he gets it wrong, creates a you know a six v four or a five v four for South, they're going to take it every time. Yeah, well, similar to you, uh, you've touched on a few things that I had. In particular, I think it all starts with Cam Murray. Their middle beat Penrith last time, and that's something that doesn't generally happen very often. So it's a huge job again for Cameron Murray, in particular Cody Walker. They're the two key players pending, like again, Reynolds' situation in terms of kicking, health, goal kicking. Um, but their forward pack has well and truly stepped up in the back end of the season um, in terms of that rotation what they get out of their starters. Nichols and Totola, they need to get on the back of Murray. Murray, we all know that he's the one who gets the ball rolling. He's got the quickest play of the ball in the competition. He's the one most likely to generate the ruck speed, which will bring Cook into the game, which has been very, very rare for him to run or get those opportunities in the past, say, 18 to 24 months. But he, again, is key to be involved in this game because he just... He, last week was good. Last week's the first time in a long time... He got out a few times. He got to challenge the ruck. His service has been exceptional. He puts the ball on a dime, and I think that's going to be even more important this week, something that he's improved on massively in the past year or so because Penrith defensively will give a lot less time and space, so he needs to be on the money um, for what he does there. But, yeah, that rotation to Tola, Nichols, they all have to get on the back of Cam Murray and do their job and match that intensity from the last game. They should certainly be fresh enough, and we, we know they get a huge boost when Tom comes on the field in particular and puts another dent in the middle, which again is another added layer and Arrow's attitude and impact last time. Uh, you know, their, their middle in particular, like we said, Murray, the real key to unlocking the other guys, but in particular, Cook. Um, and then like you've just said there, I've basically got something similar, but those long side shifts, they love setting up to the right and I'm, I'm basing it more off Edwards Brand at the back. If Edwards at the back, we know what they like to do and the setup play is going to be playing to that right-hand side. You jam Sua, who flipped edges last week with Kalama Tungi. I assume they're going to go that way again. You jam a Sua into someone like Romy. You're looking to get that quick play of the ball, and then they love to run that shape where they've obviously got both their halves linking. Cody Walker's the key man to decide run or pass. Taft's shown well and truly with the upbringing that he's had playing as a half and a fullback that he's run past, and in particular his pass execution. has been really impressive. The ball he threw last week was an absolute pearler. Um, so they're well and truly still got that left side clicking, but we know where they're going to go. Melbourne had some success getting at Momorowski. He's got a bit of a tendency um, where he, he doesn't mind coming in, so they're going to have to be well and truly communicating on that side of the field. And Penrith are better than most at scrambling and making up for any sort of errors they do make, if they make any. But yeah, last week, Melbourne, the few times they got love or busted through, 
the scramble and saves all happen on that side of the field. So I've got no doubt the inside-outside spaces around Momorowski, Catewell, um, certainly going to see some traffic where you've got Cody Walker who's obviously going to look for a crease. Kalama Tungi could get jammed in short. Gagai is very, very good. Uh, yeah, there's, there's an interesting play here that I wrote down today that happened in round 23. Now, the first try to Latrell Mitchell, they, they ran like what I would call a pop line or an up line, which is where Kalama Tungi was trying to find Matt Burton getting up ahead of the line. And he found space there. So essentially, it's you're running at, at, at the space in a straight sort of line, like a, or a down line, to run run underneath back towards the post. And then, sort of, when you you start to look like you're going to run under, you actually push upwards towards the corner post or towards the outside defender. And on that occasion, Matt Burton was actually ahead of the line and created a triangle and allowed Kaloma Tungi to get through and get his arm free, and he offloaded to Latrell Mitchell. Now, watching the tape in the qualifying final, they, they didn't actually go to that play, and, but there are a few occasions there where if Burton gets a little bit nervous about numbers outside, he actually he has got a tendency of getting himself up ahead of the line. So I think that'll be a bit of a replay there for South, particularly when Penrith are on goal line deep, and you can isolate him a little bit. Um, and the, the other one there with Burton um, is that there's occasions there where they, they're not connected. You know, himself and, um, and Toll, they're not, they're not connected. There's an occasion there where South score down that right-hand side and Burton again gets caught jamming in, but Toll doesn't follow him in. And it just allows a little 2v1 um, on the outside and they score in that right-hand corner. Whereas last week, you know, I think... My, Maybe Melbourne had looked at that and then ran that play, but had the tunnel sort of play on it where it went across the face of the Melbourne centre. And that's the one that George Jennings dropped. So that was like a different look on that. So I think it shows you how good a coaching um, you get out of Melbourne because Craig Bellamy would have gone and, and had a look at that and known that, you know, they if they get short there, that they're going to jam and they're going to go to the next man. And if Burton gets up ahead of the line, Toll's going to have to follow him in and if you go and watch that play like it was expertly executed from Melbourne it's just Jennings didn't catch the ball and so there's a few little issues there that I, I think that could be exposed if um, if Penrith can't sort out those you know small little defensive issues there but particularly if they either get A get caught short or it's a blown ruck like if it's a quick ruck and they get caught short that edge you know wants to defend their inside shoulder and wants to come in real hard and, and Toll will more often than not follow Burton in. So, yeah, there's some issues on that side of the field. Yeah, that's the right-hand side. Um, with Campbell... Yeah, south right, Penrith left. Yeah, so on the other side of the field, like I said, Momorowski's also a bit of a one that can get spotted up and obviously we know they're heavy there the fact they flipped Kyle yeah, they, they ran a heap of traffic in him in the um, qualifying final mm, I like the fact they've got Kalama Tungi on that side of the field and said it last week to me it's a bit two ways yeah see Kalama Tungi played on the right hand side for South in the, in the round 23 game so. he has all year last week's the yeah, first week they flipped him haven't they so, that was last week okay yeah the fact that they've gone there says to me again obviously not only boosting your attacking options when Reynolds was Probably a little bit more limited, which Reynolds used him for a lot of the setup play. Uh, Sewer can do a similar job, but I think you're better off 
having the better attacking player and the well, one with it's, the... it's also ideal because you're going to be running him at clear his inside shoulder. Exactly. And he's got better footwork. He's got an offload. Sewer's more your general up and down and hit a line, yeah. crash in, good defender, and that strengthens the other side of the field where I think Campbell Graham has the tendency, obviously, to turn in and Reynolds one-on-one at times needs a bit of help, so Sewer can be a bit more of a bodyguard, but... Yeah, um, the only issue I've got there is Kalon McConaughey's uh, traditional left-out, left-arm carry, which means that he's, he's just going to have to... If the space is on the outside and he's got the ball in the left arm, he's sort of going to have to flick it out the back of that arm. Mm. So, yeah, it's probably one to watch just in terms of whether he has the ability to offload, offload with both arms. I think he, he would. offload with his right arm, then perfect. You know, like he'd be able to hit Walker or hit Tuff sort of in that outside space. But if he's exclusively a left arm carry and a left arm offload... That's going to be hard for him to get the ball to that outside space. Mm. Or the other thing so is that'll, that'll be interesting because the offload to Latrell Mitchell was a left arm offload, sort of around the around the corner. Yeah, well, watching him come through the juniors and some of the lower grade stuff, he's one of those guys that definitely has the control to either push away from the body or go across the body. But obviously, in pressure, um, you know, and in this sort yeah, of occasion, any young young aspiring rugby league players listening, that's. You know, this is where those all those little things that the coach is telling you to work on become vitally important mm. in big games. Particular, again, if you're one of these people that does have an offload like he does, um, it's vital. Again, not everyone has the ability to carry both arms, or if you don't, especially offload. But to work on your offload in terms of pushing away from your body and having that wrist and hand control, or like you said, more that kind of underarm action across the body, which seems to be a bit more natural for most people. But um, yeah, yeah, I think. That's another one I had here. I have no doubt they're going to jam both the halves. Romy's a spot along when kick hours on there that you can definitely get a quick play of the ball. So I expect them to jam him a fair bit. Kalama Tungi, key at Cleary again, just that shoulder. You've got to get some traffic at him, um, in particular with the way that I think they're going to be in yardage, which is probably my next real key point. Yardage is going to be huge because this is not manly. This is a team, and I know they beat them week one and they matched them for energy and this, that, and the other, but if you don't think Penrith are going to come with an absolute vengeance, you're kidding yourself, and um, they're going to get bombarded with the floating bombs again. I think they're going to be probably a little less focused on TAF. I think they'll do more of a job at trying to pick out who they want to put in a corner and isolate. I think Paulo... Yeah, Paulo's going to be in for a long night, I think. Paulo's the one I'd want to take first. I want to catch him flat. I want to pin him in a corner because I want the, the first two carries to have to come from a much smaller Taff and a Johnston who we know is not a damaging sort of yardage type and also similar to you something I've seen the last month in particular which is alarming at times Cleary's put in a few really nice kicks to the right hand side defence for Penrith and the chase has been disconnected and Gutherson got upfield a couple of times last week I think Fox skipped back across got 40 metres upfield so yeah. they need to do a better job on their right hand side kick chase because he's put a few good kicks in the last month and three or four times it's just been a broken line it's had nothing to do with the kick, and it's, it's just been a real poor defence. So um, I have no doubt for South it's going to be really important, and they're going to need help, as we mentioned a lot, from their centres. Campbell Graham needs to be busy. Gagai's got a good carry. They're going to need the help because the flip side of that, and this is where a lot of questions come in, is your kicking game. Um, if Reynolds can't kick or Reynolds is limited in his kicking, in particular the long kicking, they're not going to be kicking from as good or advantageous spots in the field. Last week, I think... Uh, I still think Cody Walker's got a really good kicking game, particularly short kicking game, but the long kicking game, uh, it's not saying he doesn't have a good one, but he doesn't have to think or set up as much. He's usually the one who gets to play more 
you know, and, and not have to worry about that. But if Reynolds can't kick, they're not going to be kicking from as good a field position. It's going to be on a Cody Walker who they can pressure. And I think Taff, who's obviously played some halves, is going to have to kick. The other part on top of that is when Benji comes on the field or if he comes on the field. If they get pinned in yardage, and I know he only played a limited role, but he's got a huge boot. Um, I, I think all these kind of guys and that their kicking game in general is a huge question if Reynolds can't kick. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point because Reynolds came up with some huge plays with his kicking game. Well, what about that 40-20 in the final? 40-20, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's put a... Yeah, like he's the, he's the linchpin of their field position generation, isn't he? Because he... He controls all their long kicks, like you said, plus their goal kicking, plus, you know, their short kicking game is, is based a hell of a lot around his kicking game. So that's that's a huge factor in this match. Huge factor. Not because, you know, if he, can, if he can generate, you know, a 40 20 and even two two goal line dropouts, that's, that's three extra sets. And when you're looking at what's going to be very close to a 50 50 uh, possession percentage game, Three sets in terms of the weighted possession across a match is is huge. It could be a five percent possession swing, and people might sit there and go, "Well, fuck five percent, whoop de do." Well, it can be the difference between you having, you know, fifty fifty ball or fifty five forty five, which, when you're looking at the game the way it is at the moment, like has a huge impact in regards to fatigue and just in in terms of field position and time that you spend in your opposition's. Um, territory, which obviously gives you more chances to, you know, test out the opposition's discipline, which which therefore will lead to more chances to take penalty goals or to score tries. And it also means that they don't have the ball. Whatever they don't have the ball, obviously they can't score. No. And the kicking is also key when I, again, I'm saying they're not going to have as good a field position in general. They're going to have to cycle yeah, more and, huge. and yardage, like, much better. But just more placement, where you want to go with it, where you're kicking to, yeah. like if they're just clearing. Um, and you know the other element to this? If Walker has to worry more about the kick, he's not he's not going to be sitting in run shape. No, nah, he's got to be... You know, whereas usually it'd be, okay, Adam, you, you organise the kicks, man, and I'll, I'll sit in run shape. But, you know, if, if, if they can press up or if they're short or whatever, I'll, I'll be ready to go if we want to run. Mm, and my worry but, there is, you again... Know, you might fall out of that a little bit. And it's also going to allow, like, if early in the game Penrith can see that Reynolds isn't kicking, mate, there's going to be some serious pressure coming Cody Walker's way. Yeah. and Because it isolates him in regards to pressure, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's why I think Taff, who has come through the grades with the balance of halves, is going to have to do some kicking as well if that's the case. And the Benji thing I more bring up, because if they put him on, they do it generally for Murray for that short stint or a middle. And if you put him on and open up their middle and have Cook... Benji, like Penrith are going to target that. So they're not going to have him on field for an awfully long period of time. But there's so many layers to that side of the game. The kicking part yeah, is huge. And that laid into what you mentioned earlier, which I was going to bring up, is the goal kicking. Taff showed with the first kick from the sideline. And I've watched him in the juniors again. He can kick. But yeah. in a big game, same deal. If you're telling me that you're going to give it to somebody who's only played seven or eight games of first grade, clutch, pressure, I'm not saying he can't do it, but... Yeah, any yeah. day of the week they'd, they'd obviously kicking goals yeah but it's more of those penalty goals like as a former goal kicker mate they're difficult the ones from sort of 30 40 out even if they're you know from right in front they're, they're fairly simple but once you sort of get to the 10 and 20 trams they're obviously because the ball's traveling over a further distance you you know there's more room for movement and 
yeah, it's, it's there's pressure on those kicks because you're also thinking when you're lining those kicks up, like I either need to make sure I get it or I kick it dead because you know that then play's going to restart as well. Yeah. So there, there, there's just a different um, there's just a different feel around those kicks. Hundred percent. So, so. And, and look, I've got no, I've got absolutely no doubt that he would he'd be practicing. He'd be doing everything that Adam Reynolds is doing this week in regards to goal kicking and more. And Reynolds would be doing a heap of work with him. But my only my only issue is it's, it's a lot of pressure for a young fella. Yeah, and like you said, they they love to take the two. And so yeah, if, that, that's been Bennett's philosophy his whole career. Well, won the Dragons a comp. To be fair, like it won them, it won them that last the qualifying final. The scoreboard pressure that they were able to apply hmm. was a through Penrith Hill discipline. Yeah. But B, through taking advantage of those penalty goals, it was it was genius in the end. It won them the game. Yeah, well, they banked every time and they backed their defence, which, like we said, is yep. the, the flipping mentality that seemed to have gone when we questioned all year. Can they get away from just wanting to attack and can they get into a game where they go, OK, we've got to play for 80, we've got to defend well, we've got to kick well, we've got all the ingredients to do it, but can we do it? And it was really almost a flip back to the mentality that his 2010 Dragons had. Where it was, yeah. we'll take our opportunity. You're also running into the number one defence. Exactly. So, of course, you, you're going to get down there and go, fuck, man, like, there's, there's two points on offer you. I'm, I'm just going to take it. Two. Scoreboard pressure, reset. Which I, which I completely agree with. Like, I, I, I get it. But, yeah, um, especially. Yeah, it would be interesting to, how, to see how tough he was under pressure if he's called upon to do that. That's mm. my only point. I'm not saying he can't do it. He, oh, hopefully, the kid gets up there and he eats the pressure and he just fucking nails it. Yeah. Um, because he's, he's, he's nailed everything else, he's eaten everything else in his um, short little stint here in first grade, and he's a, a, a bloody huge reason as to why they've, they've been able to secure a grand final position. Because, you know, we all had our questions about how they go without the trouble, and Tars come in and done an absolutely outstanding job. Mm. I was confident he'd do a good job, but I didn't think it would be as good as what it is. And no, that's, I mean, that wasn't a question on I mean, talent, that was more a question on game... Game, yeah, question on game time in the NRL and particularly on exactly. big occasions. But he's made one or two errors in those games and then the best part about him is he just doesn't care. He's flushed both of them, bounced back. And I probably f- forgot to mention not only in the layers of the kicking game and all that sort of stuff and field position, but Taft's also huge in yardage. And my favourite part of his game is the smallest part of all. He does not give a fuck about his body. He catches the ball. He understands what his job is. He just takes the yards. Last week, he was just chewing 20. And it reminded me of Dylan Edwards. Dylan Edwards isn't the biggest, the most physical, the most gifted, but he just works his ass off in the back. He eats up the meters. He gets back early. It will take huge pressure off what is a light back three for South if he can do that um, and also get their forwards wind the ball quicker. So his yardage work in particular, why not impactful? He's willing to just throw himself into the line and make sure he takes the meters. He doesn't dick around, skip, drift sideways, try to pick up wingers. Um, and more importantly, especially again being a smaller side, is he gets to central, which is middle of the field. He doesn't put him in a corner. He doesn't drift across field and make him work out, which is when Penrith can really tee off. He gets back to central. He splits the field. It makes it a little bit easier for the next man carrying the football. Yeah, exactly. So um, kind of working now off the back of, like we said, talking about the kicking game, field position, cycling, all that sort of stuff. Defense as a whole for Souths, their mentality is flipped just in all facets, it could not be more important than in this game. Because like we said, Penrith won all their games off the back of defence. Their attack... Yeah, what I will say is they defended differently. Like, in the round 23 game, they were, they were pretty passive. And they got chewed a few times on the edges. And 
it looked like in the qualifying final they came out and wanted to be more aggressive and they tried to cut off Penrith's long shifts. And what I mean by that is that when the South um, third defender in, which is usually their half, um, it looked like they had a clear objective when they were on the long side in defence to come up and, and rush up and, and give whether it was Jerome or Nathan, the look like, fuck, well, I can't play there because they're up. And when you actually look at it from the footage, the, the whole line wasn't actually up. Mm. So they were just trying to spook Penrith to turn the ball back inside or to play short into the teeth of defence, which is really, really good coaching, and it worked. But I've got no doubt that Penrith would have done their homework on that. And, you know, how do, how do you get around that? Well, you either... Either play short and then loop around to that side and catch that man on the retreat and hope that you can get him short, or you play nice and early there and get him so he can't actually land on that pass and they'll get some love there. Um, and you know there, there are even a few times where Penrith play the ball in good ball, and what I mean by that is when they're attacking South's line, where the ball came back to Isaiah Yo and he played short or he turned the ball inside when, if you look at the footage, the south line had sort of only come up as middle, like their, their far edge had actually stayed back. So if, if Yo actually went to the line and linked with a half on that far edge, they could have actually stripped south for numbers on a few occasions. So I, I will be interested. I, I, I definitely agree with the uh, philosophy of south to not be passive. Uh, but, I, but I also think they need to be careful if they're gonna they're gonna come up really aggressive and not be connected. I, I expect Penrith to to have a better mindset and willingness to pass the ball to sort of counteract that as uh, as opposed to what how they played in that qualifying final, which was pretty passive. And uh, you know there were there were several occasions actually where they got outside. It was it was. It, more in particular, South's right edge defence that really wanted to jam and rush Jerome. But there were three or four occasions where Penrith actually identified and created a 3v1 or a 2v1 and they, or a 3v2 and they just didn't execute. Yeah, they also panicked and they wouldn't settle. Like, yeah. Kicking I got through twice and threw one at his ass and another one. Yeah. They just needed to fucking calm down. So Yeah, Burton threw one over the sideline in the round 23 game as well on that, on that edge of the field. Um, yeah, it's interesting, man. Really, really interesting. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how. Um, and it's just again, that's great coaching from Ben. Like he's given him a different look. Um, come out and thought, well, okay, this is this is what Penrith like to do. How can I make them uncomfortable? How can I get them out of that? You know, um, or how can I cut down their ability to pass? Mm. Well, I tell you what, I can do. I can I can tell whoever that half is on the long edge to rush up and and sort of cut off that pass option. The, the other option might be for Penrith, you know, if they give that look and they, the edge wants to rush, then to kick him behind them. Well, that's your option. Or again, uh, try and play short and isolate the half or start dropping back under and it. loop back around, yeah. Yeah, or if the middle's getting a little bit passive because that edge is coming up, just start dropping blokes back under. Same deal. Work back into that I, space. I don't, I don't have much of an issue with Penrith's defence. I think Penrith's defence is so reliant on organisation 
Yeah, they get a lot of tackles. That's, that's cool because they're yeah. so aggressive. But they scramble ridiculously well. Yeah, the um, the uncoachable and the unmeasurable is that scrambled fence. I, I just have I have fears for Penrith if Crichton is playing at fullback, and not for the offensive side of the ball because he's brilliant. We all know that, and he's very, he's far more dangerous bringing the ball back than Edwards. Um, but when we're, when we're talking about defensive split, defensive organisation, do not underestimate the ability of Dylan Edwards to set Penrith's defensive line and to make sure that they're organised in space correctly and his ability just to to settle them and, and make sure that they're structurally sound. I think that's just such an underrated um, ability. And there are, there are uh, another couple of occasions where, and we're talking about kick reception here, where Adam Reynolds has just absolutely picked apart Stephen Crichton's positioning on play four and five. He's been found out in terms of Reynolds to look up and go, fuck, there's Crichton. Like, he's five metres behind the defensive line and he's poked an early kick through. Or he's kicked across to the other side of the field. Or he's bombed to a certain part of the field and they've they've isolated one of the Penrith wingers because of the position that, that Crichton's in at fullback. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be far easier for South to apply pressure both defensively and with their kicks if Crichton is playing fullback. Yeah, and uh, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head before I had there. Right side D, particularly Campbell Graham, has that tendency. You saw it last week. Him and Reynolds at times can get disconnected. It's a space they can play through. Expect yeah, to see. You know, he, he got really tight on occasions there last week, didn't he? Like he was really, really tight to his back row. And it meant that he, he was giving his centre his outside shoulder, which is. Well, Burton will eat that up if they give that space. Oh, and we know yeah, that like... Burton run pass is outstanding. His catch pass is great if the winger follows in, which is Paulo. Um, yeah. And on top of that, if he gets the space to run, he's a lot quicker than what we've given credit for, and we've seen it a few times this year. So that's yeah, real critical. Ben actually gave Campbell Graham a little passive slap in the press conference last week. He, yeah. Because you know I'm not, I'm not happy with Campbell Graham missing a, a couple of tackles late. Mm. You know, then, I, I thought that was yeah, like it, it was a subtle little little poke, but you know Bennett doesn't usually mention. No. Plays in a negative frame, and, and I, don't, I don't think it was that. It wasn't him carving him up. No, no. It was that little Pope saying, "Listen, mate, you, you need to be good for eighty minutes, not not just clock off." And no. And, um, I understand now that you're inviting pressure, and I'm clear of you looking at that. And Penrith will be coming there to test that out, and I expect that to happen fairly early in this game. Yeah, and I've got here just their defence in general. Their whole attitude flipped all year. They were quite passive, you know, and they weren't exactly the best in all the free things like line speed and their contact and their intent, their wrestle, like working from the inside, hunting once they were released and getting across and helping their edges and their edge decisions. So all that has improved out of sight, which is what's landed them where they are right now. And then in particular, play one, two, like they taken that approach of those teams that are up the top in your Storms and your Panthers and the fact that they've kicked well They've chased hard down. They've really made an effort, play one, two, to get numbers, to get bodies around the football, to ramp up the line speed and strangle. And again, you're playing the best defensive team who have literally won all these finals games so far off their defense. Penrith have won all these games off their defense. Um, I expect them to have more attacking chances against a team like South, who probably have some vulnerabilities, but they've covered those vulnerabilities the last few weeks and showed some little cracks last week. I'm not trying to read too much into it because it was late in the game, but... Um, yeah, if, if there's any way you can get them and you're certainly going to get chances, 
I think Penrith could find their attack this week. But the question on South is, can they reach that standard again one more time for 80 minutes all across the board, as you know, just as a whole? All those principles have just ramped up exceptionally. And I guess they've got to be accountable everywhere. Like Penrith don't exactly have that extra threat of creating a number with Edwards. We, we know that. But the fact is they've got two quality halves. They've got Burton who plays an extra half. You've got Kikau who buys extra time for Jerome Luai. And then you've got to be accountable for Arpi Corosau, who, much like Cook to me, is a massively underrated part of this weekend. Um, yeah, particularly late in the game. Yeah, 100%. So. Either hooker, whatever team wins the possession battle, that hooker is going to be very, very dangerous in the last 20 minutes of this game because fatigue's going to set in and they're going to be able to get out and manipulate a little bit. What, what I think is really, really interesting... And a lot of the video I've done on South is that they they can be exposed on edges if halves get to play deep with their back row. Their, their Walker and Reynolds love to just come in nice and hard on those on those lead runners. So if Penrith have time and space and they're allowed to play deep into the line and get the ball out the back, there's multiple frames and, and, and freezes and photos I've got here of where um, Penrith have been able to create you know, either a 2v1, 3v2, that just haven't been able to execute. And generally because the, uh, the South Sydney halves have jammed in on, the, on those lead runners. So, you know, I expect that to be the case. But also the ball playing of Walker and Reynolds, like they, they, they play so deep into the line, it's not funny. And they do the same thing. They'll, they'll try and pull Penrith apart and... They'll try and get those um, Penrith defenders interested and get their spacings to tighten right up to open up some space on that um, on the outside. And in particular, South Sydney are moving into that frame of mind where, particularly if South Sydney move the ball to their right side and they get tackled anywhere along that right hand sideline, they've got a shift to get out of there and hit you on the other wing and. It's, it's only sort of been really the last two games that I've noticed that they've had the ability to do that. They certainly weren't doing that in round 23. Um, round 24 against the Roosters, I sort of... I didn't really take too much into that. And also the round 25 game against the Dragons because they obviously rested all their players. But, yeah, they, they've just demonstrated ability to be bloody tackled on one sideline and then get the ball to the other winger. Yeah, again. Especially what Penrith have been doing for most of the year. But it's just that ability, and, and Taft's played a, a, a role in that as well. Huge role. Yeah, he's got that ability to. Half fullback. It, it just gives them three options there. So, yeah, be aware of that. And, and Penrith are going to have to be aware of that, particularly when South move the ball to the right, and you think, okay, here comes a set up play. And South do have a tendency at times to have a set up play because they want to either split the field at the post or they want to get to that, you know, that 20 tram on the right-hand side there so they can open up that left-hand side attack. And they've got a very specific play where they go across the front row or a middle to a half who has another middle in front of him and they sort of unlock a, an arrow and then they have that, they have Walker and Reynolds sweeping out the back of it. Um, and it's it's a really, really nice shape. And that's the one that opens up for Gagai and and Johnston down that left-hand side. So, um, yeah, I just expect South to have a few little 
variations on those shapes this weekend because you know they, they would have pulled each other apart but you know the beauty about coaching in games like this is that particularly when you've played the other side you know South have played Penrith twice in their last what six games so yeah you just you begin to know each other and know what each other does fairly well and um Jason Demetrio, who runs South Attack, is a fantastic coach. Um, and Andrew Webster, who you know we both know personally, who's now running the um, the Attack at Penrith, he's a really, really intelligent guy. And I just this is what gets me excited about footy. You know, you just you think about you know what you expect the other team to prepare for, and what what you think they're going to uh, expect you to do, and then having the ability to put a little variation on it or to identify something in their defence to be able to expose, uh, you know, in, in a game like this because you know that six points, you know, could be the difference between winning and losing the game. 100%. Um, I'm excited, man. I, it's, yeah, break, breaking down the footage today, like I, you know, I, I like Penrith to win and, um, you know, particularly if, as I said, if, if um, Edwards plays. And, but, um, no, I... I I just I really respect Wayne Bennett and I, I really respect Jason Demetrio as coaches and I, I'm just excited to see what they come up with and you know knowing Serrato and Webster and Ivan as well so and respecting them all as, as coaches you, you know that Penrith are going to be well prepared as well and yeah it's, it's going to be great yeah and sort of wrapping on that south side of thing in particular we've touched on a lot of areas but yeah um, real two keys for me are Cody and Cam Cam is what gets the middle going, which gets the nine going. Cody, in particular, if Reynolds is not kicking and doing the general play stuff, we already know he's the main man in terms of attack, whether it's run, pass, his link play, his edge play, the danger he poses, his support running. Um, But if he's got the added responsibility of the kicking there, well, then, yeah, he's even more important on the weekend. And and Taff, like I said earlier, Taff, to me, really underrated what he's done so far. We know the passing game because of his background. He'll eat up those yards. It's, he's not Latrell Mitchell, but he's well and truly done more than what you'd expect him to have done. But um, yeah, I, and like after watching those two games today, like Cam Murray's so much the gas to their fire. Like watching her on mute and just oh, sitting there with everything. Hard, just going, oh my god! Well, like he's so important. Like what's so much of what South do well. He's on the back of what Cam Murray does well. It's, it's not even just the attack, though. It's the stuff, again, if you watch a game closely, in defense. Defensively, yeah. he's generally the one who's making a cover tackle or he's the one kick yeah. pressuring or hunting from the inside and hitting something. like He does so much shit work, and he did it this year in Origin playing on the edge. Yeah. Um, and his role was understated in, in the job he did on Fafita. Like he just fucking cut Fafita's time down, hit him every single time he got the ball. Um, it just there's so many layers to his game. He's probably not as dynamic in terms of what he does with his pass compared to, say, an Isaiah Yo. But his carry, his ability they're to just make different players, but they're both fantastic. 100. And he he also they're both so important to their team. I tell you what, he gets penalties too. That, that, that's what I said earlier. I he, think don't underestimate the ability for him to pick up a penalty inside 40 and give them an opportunity to kick a penalty goal. What's those carries where, like we know, the late footwork's so good in getting between space, but he also does that real good thing where he runs like he's sitting down on a bike seat. He's got a low centre of gravity. He gets between yeah. defenders. He he cops those sort of incidental bumps because he just gets people off balance or he gets low into contact. Um, 
And also, the offloading game has probably improved. In particular, last week, he popped a few absolute corkers. But yeah. for me, the real key are those two. If Reynolds, in particular, is not kicking, it's all going to be relying on Cam being the fire and the spark for what you need out of your middle. And Cody will be the real key. Um, and those, those moments from Taff that he's iced so far, obviously really, really important. But as a whole, I think they're much more reliant on their team. Their team base since this Latrell thing and the galvanisation of what they're doing and it's been all effort, like we said, all defence and sort of a flipping mentality and banking those opportunities when they come. It's been a lot more effort stuff from South rather than the flashy things that we saw for probably the first 22, 23 rounds. Absolutely. So um, bench impact I basically haven't talked about by those two middles, but I think Benji's role will be not limited, but yeah, I, I think it'll be you know, a quick stint in the middle, helping out the link play. Um, you know, he might kick a few times, but I don't expect a huge role. We know what Tom and Arrow are going to do. They just need to maintain the rage and host. Host minutes are limited, similar deal. More more of a, a middle role. I don't think he's really rested either of the back rows. If he does, it'll be for a short stint. So, no, I don't think their bench bar, their middles in Tom and Arrow have a real big impact on the game. But Penrith, we've covered some of that stuff. Let's, let's have a bit more of a look. But I think the real big thing when we don't know yet is health. I think the biggest thing standing in the way, no offence to South, um, despite the hard road, is health for the Penrith Panthers. If they do get to the game with the 17 they've named, that's great. But if they have a situation like Melbourne did last week where Edwards' foot goes early or Toto goes early or there's some sort of reshuffle that happens in that regard, that would be so detrimental. And I think their bench this week for me is so important and I've said it the last few weeks and I'm gonna, I think it's more important this week Ivan cannot fuck with the back row rotation Kikau stays as the starter because I think the job that Lainu, Martin and Sorensen are going to need to do in particular after the first stint with question marks on Fisher's knee and Laota's calf is going to be huge so I don't think he can afford to do this shuffle this week Kikau proved it again last week. He's better when he starts. Even though he didn't start, he got on early. But he warms into games. And I think it's really underrated that he buys time for Jerome because he is such a threat that he, they have to be accountable. It lets Jerome play deeper in the line. He ran so much more last week. When Martin's there, you know what Martin's doing. Martin's running a straight up and down crash line. There's not a whole lot of finesse to the game. Um, he's better when he does the cattle dog work that he did last week, playing to that central part of the field. But... Health. Yeah, in the qualifying final, they started with Martin and it just, it just didn't work. No, then they've got to fucking stop doing it because their left edge is their key. And like we said, Kikiao, in his head, comes on when he gets subbed in like he has to change the game or make an impact. And it's been detrimental. He's throwing shit passes, bad offloads. Kikiao had a horrible grand final last year. He did. Let, let him get out there early and let him make an impact. Run first. And let him, yeah, let him dictate some terms here and you know, get on the front foot early and get his confidence up and get him relaxed. But you'd be telling him, plain and simple, your job is to turn Adam Reynolds into, uh, into a fucking suitcase. Pick him up and take him with you every time. We're just going to crash you into Reynolds, left, right and centre. That's going to get Sewer hot and bothered and a bit interested. He's going to get a bit fiery. And if we can use you on that short shape and get Sewer interested, we know that Campbell Graham can get tight. And if that gets tight, we'll play that tunnel play like you're saying across and get to Burton and try and get the two-on-one start to happen. Yeah. Um, and if that's not yeah. working and they're getting that inside read, drop Kikau back under. Play him into that middle. Use that role that they like to do if they're getting a bit feisty on that edge. And if they, 
they, they changed the point of attack last week on Melbourne, which I really liked. They weren't afraid to go... Yeah, I've been getting Millie ball 100%. Like, if you get tackled over on that right-hand side, I'd be zipping the ball with two passes to, to kick out and just let it, letting him, you know, do what he wants with a bit of space. Yeah, but health... Because you know that Burton, like you said before, Burton, you know, he's great on his feet, but he's also great at a dummy half. Like, if kick out and get down and up, then... You know, Burton rolls back through the middle of the field or even down the short side. Oh, he'll just play. He's a half. He's got the eyes. Yeah, that's you know. right. He's just—he's so fucking quick and he's got a good passing game. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that first point, again, has so many layers to it that health is key, but I'm in particular sitting there just thinking he has to start. Don't fuck with that rotation. And I, I'm really, if I'm Penrith, I know we say it every week, the start is huge with question marks on those few guys. I'm looking at later and Fish and going, I'm probably not going to play as long as I usually do, but for that 2025 with your knee and your calf, just fucking bust yourselves. Bust yourselves, because I know I've got Lainu, I know I've got Martin, I know I've got Sorensen, but that first stint just needs to be clean. No one goes down early, no issues there, so I can get those guys out there. And like we said, that allows kick out at least to be in the game, get him some early touches so he doesn't get itchy and start thinking he needs to throw offloads or do anything fucking stupid. Um... And a yeah. couple little notes uh, that may have missed. Uh, I, I found a, a several. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Instances across those two games where Kalal Matangi gives up his inside shoulder as well, mm-hmm. or even looks like sort of gets up ahead of the ball. So I think that's one to look at. Did you say he's playing on the... He's going, where did he play well, on the left last week? We don't know, but last week it seemed as though it was a tactic to get the better defensive player. Or not that he's not a good defender, but they... They, they seem to want to... on the left and run it clear. Yeah, they seem to want to bolster their attack, bolster their D. So Sewer, obviously, yeah. probably the better technical defender, protected Reynolds a bit more. Kalamatangi is a good defender, but he's got more layers to his attack which seemed that they wanted to flip that over to the Cody side of the field and get more out of that. So, so Kaloa Matungi would be Catewell Cleary side of the field. Yeah, if I'm Jerome or Nathan, I'm probably going to test out his inside shoulder and run. Maybe not straight away, but particularly on the back of shape where, or even if it's a blown ruck and he can sort of dictate terms, like he wants to rush up and solve it and test his inside shoulder. The other one, like Penrith has scored five tries in the last two games against South, three from kicks. Um, and one was in garbage time, like just that dummy half run from Abbey with 20 seconds to go or whatever it was. And the other one was the left winger. So they, from what I saw, they, they bombed several chances, particularly on Penrith's left, south, right. So I think that's Jackson Paulo's side. So yeah. I really expect him to um, to get bombarded. Um the other one is it was 10 all at half time in the qualifying final and it was 12-10 in round 23 so I'm, I'm going to have a little bet just on it being a draw at half time I think you get quite good odds for that okay. um, Nathan Cleary actually missed a kick after the sign half time sign to put it to 12 all in round 23 so that would have been two games there where 
it was a draw at half time. So fair enough. Yeah, just a little sneaky one. I thought I'd drop. Yeah. Well, my next point is pretty simple. Their defense—it's the best in the comp. It's relentless. It's the reason they've got to where they've got to. While their attack's been struggling, their defense has got them through all these games. Um, in particular, their play one-two off the back of Nathan's kicks. Then no one's better. Play one-two. Um, they just get stuck in. They're relentless. They get their numbers. They dominate. They're happy to give away a six again. Um, their kick pressure is pretty good, in particular when they've got those guys on. Like we said, those smaller, more mobile middles. Arpy does a good job of it. Yo, Martin, etc. So I expect plenty of pressure there. Edge decisions we spoke about before. Why Momorowski and Burton probably have some tendencies. I don't think anyone scrambles as good. I think they scramble as well as anyone in the comp. They showed it last week. A few times they got blown apart. They come up with try-savers, multiple try-savers. They hunt from the inside so well. They just get bodies in the frame. Um, so, same deal again. We know Souths can attack, and I think, again, they're going to try and really pin them, particularly play 1-2. There's going to be a tactic there, no doubt. Uh, to kick to Paulo, probably take out the big body first and then try and isolate Taff and Johnston. But I, I expect their their pressure to be absolutely relentless on set starts and what they want to do there. Definitely, yeah. It'll, it'll be uh, relying on that, on the kick. I, I expect Nathan Cleary to do some early kicking when they're coming out of yardage. Yeah, over the head, really turn them around. Kick. Yeah, not, not so much over the head. It's more just trying to get them with only one player back there not with three yeah so you can sort of kick the space and dictate terms slow play the ball field and just yeah give them the ball in areas where they don't want the ball like yeah. just give them a long field as much as possible and if particularly if you can win that play one two battle when you've got you know Toto, Edwards Crichton etc running the ball out like realistically you're going to get some plays there where you know you're at the 40 or the 50 of of South and an extra ruck really isn't going to be that advantageous to you anyway so no. the advantage would be kicking while they've only got their full back back so mm. I expect to see a little bit of that uh, but I also expect to see them maybe fall into some run shape as well like if South want to come real hard and pressure for Penrith just to have the ability to you know on, on one or two occasions to say hang on a minute like if you want to come then you know we'll go zip zip and, and go around you and maybe, you know, sort of run 20 or 30 downfield and then, you know, put a, put a kick in. Just to, just to try and hold South off with their pressure to ensure that Cleary's got as much time as possible to, to execute. But, you know, anything inside 50, you know he's either going to put up one of his big steamers, his big torpedoes or his big floaters, or he's just going to knock it into the box. And what I mean by the box is that 10 by 10 box on the corner post. Just... You know, make South bring it out of their own tent. Yeah, I think, no doubt, again, what we talked about, the that side of things in terms of the relentlessness, but a lot of that comes off the back of... Yeah, go on, sorry. A lot of all the good stuff comes off the back of his kicking game, and it's going to be huge again. We know the yardage, field position, territory, he's as good now, if not better, than what Reynolds, who's been probably the one for most years, with that kicking game. But that dead floater needs to come back. I felt... They got Taff once and they probably overdid it and then he sort of stopped and in the last few finals games there's been a lot of general kicking. Uh, the Parramatta one, I thought he played a little bit safe last week. He threw up a little bit more but I think with the field position they'll hopefully get if they do a good job, play one too. I'd like to see him risk it to get the biscuit, so to speak, a few more times here and throw yeah, that wobbler up. That comes down to time. 
Yeah, throw that wobbler up and, and not just at Taff. Paulo's got a drop in him. I've seen it. Johnston, I don't think a lot of people kick to player one a lot. You need to mix it up a little bit. Mate, those players, everyone's going to drop him. But um, I think the other one for me, you just mentioned before, yardage, huge if Edwards plays. And we already talked about it last time. When you got Edwards, he does a similar deal to what we've seen with Taff. Just choose up those metres. Steals 15-20, no bullshit drifting sideways trying to pick players up or skipping or trying to find a crease. Um, that gets Toto in behind the ball. And Critter going to the wings been a bonus for the fact that they've got the quality in the centres of Burton and Momorowski. He's a big body. I thought he worked a lot harder last week than what he did in previous weeks. So there's not really a great kick option in terms of South. Like you can't really pick one and say, we'll isolate him and try and kill the set start. And even if you get him off a flat start, we've seen Toto carry three or four blokes, even when there's good line. Uh, Critter will take a tough carry, can bust or get between defenders. So I think back three is huge for them and a massive bonus because, again, I expect them to do a much better job this time in terms of what we said, kicking field position and their set starts. And um, that, again, is a huge benefit when you've got two front rowers under clouds and Louder and fish. Get on the front foot early, get them back behind the ball early, get that good first in out of them. Absolutely. Yeah, but the one area I thought, going back to the kicking game, Nathan Cleary's short kicking game hasn't been great in the last two games. No. Against South. Yeah, they, you know, they got a couple of trials up those like dinky sort of kicks back on the inside and in the round 23 game. But And they got that one where um, who knocked the ball back in? Maybe. Momorowski knocked the ball back in and Crichton scored. scored. But otherwise, like there were some kicks there, particularly late in that game, where Penrith were panicking and they just didn't execute their kicking game inside 20. So if you want to apply pressure and get repeat sets and you know make South come out of their own end, you need to be putting those balls on the spot and then ensuring that you're not giving away penalties at yeah. the back of your kicks or giving away seven tackle sets. Like, look at the impact that that had on... Uh, Melbourne last week, you know, the Munster gave away a couple of seven tackle sets. <coughs> um, it, it just flips the field, man. It's, it's, a, it's a huge disadvantage to get those kicks wrong. So I expect Penrith to have a real mindset into getting those right. Yeah, your spot man uh, for me most times when I watch South, it's not that he doesn't make his tackles, but you can definitely get quick rucks off him. His cook, he's got that tendency. He like absorbs tackles. He kind of turns his hip in, tries to work. Um, I've got no doubt that Arpy will be channeling at him and he'll become more of a key as the game gets later on and they hopefully start to probe him behind. He did it last week against Melbourne, first half, heavily on the defence, manipulated the ruck well, got guys in behind. But as things got later on in the piece, fatigue was in the game. It was so fast. He started to steal 15, 20 metres. He jumped in behind the ruck a few times. He supplied some real quality service for his middles and manipulated well. Uh, He'll pick his moments, but yeah, I think Cook will particularly see loss of traffic as he generally does because he's a good man to get a play of the ball off which for Penrith as we know they'll jump straight into a shape if they can pull the middle um, but their pack as a whole real key like I said they lost last time to South and one thing they've prided themselves on in particular the last two years has been the bully and I know a couple of guys are wounded but I've got no doubt the mentality this week they'll want revenge for last time because South beat them convincingly in my opinion in the finals game first time in the forwards they did yeah. yeah the longer that got on they got frustrated I thought they got on top whereas the round 23 game the attitude was there earlier then Penrith sort of flipped it but a lot of that I thought come off the back of the era so I expect the forward pack this time to really want to lay it on 
you know, Nichols, Totola, the bench arrow in particular, I think is going to see a lot when uh, he gets on the field. But it, it's it's one of those things. When you get beaten in that regard and you are one of the big dogs, you want to flip that script. And it's grand final week. It's huge for them. It's it's not even really about South or that last loss. It's, it's, it's a combination of the hard work, the last two years, the pain, what they've done to get back here. I, I have no doubt in my mind that area in particular, they're not going to lay down this week in that area. <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. Um, and some small things, I guess, because we've touched on a lot to finish off. Right side, we know it's important. Um, like you said, they obviously had a few tries, scored on Penrith's left, South's right, but we know where the majority of the traffic's going to be going. Momorovsky, Catewell need to be good. That traffic spot around Momorovsky's inside, outside, uh, he's going to need to be good. He's going to get help from his inside, but we know those long left side shifts. Storm got them last time, like we said a few times. They scrambled very well and they cleaned up and they covered. But Cody Walker, Taff, that connection there on that drift shape uh, that we're talking about when Reynolds dishes out to Cody, no doubt in my mind, they're going to test out Cleary with Kalama Tungi a few times and Cody will certainly be looking for some creases. But Taff has proven they can still get that shape and create those three-on-twos and it's going to be some real critical communication needed between those defenders to make sure that they stay connected and solve anything that gets thrown at them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Um, and sort of the last few bits, because we've touched on a lot of it, we know that Penrith's left side is the key as well. They can attack all across the park, but Yo ties into that as well. Yo, for a few weeks there, it felt like he was doing probably too much ball playing, and then there was a few weeks there where I thought he was doing a lot of running because they weren't probably putting a dent in as much as what they were to give him that opportunity, but he's much like Murray, critical, but in a different sense. He links the halves he joins the field. He allows them to play sideline to sideline. They can jump straight into an attacking shape. He can get forwards to the edge of the ruck. And then when something's not on, he can just take a carry himself. He's got that ability since he's moved in the middle, uh, middle, as I complained about for years, where he probably wasn't dynamic enough and powerful enough on an edge. But in the middle, he's big. He's got feet. He gets between defenders. He's got great leg speed. He is huge for everything that they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and left side, run early, Luai, kick out, must start, must start. And the combination there, he buys time for Jerome, which I thought got Jerome running last week. Get him at Reynolds, get Sewer interested, and we talked about that shape. If they can get that sort of going early and get Sewer and Campbell Graham in, I've got no doubt they'll be able to throw either that tunnel ball that you were talking about, that face ball, or kick out. He's got the hands at the times, but I'm preferring probably not to use them. Uh, to get Burton and Tottenham hopefully some two-on-ones. And Burton versus Campbell Graham is a real dangerous matchup because, like we said, we know how good Burton can be, not only on the run, but with uh, his ball play. Yeah, well, that's right. He's, um, he's sort of a dual, fr- dual threat there, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. And um, I think, like we said before, they, they sort of have that lack of a sweet player or that extra man they create with Edwards. They don't really have that sort of shape but it's sort of been cured by having two centres that are really good catch pass and one's a former half of Momorowski but obviously Nath's over there so they've got the good enough halves to probably not need as much help in that regard but Yo sort of plays that link role that you'd usually generally get out of your one but they play straight off the ruck rather than those big long side shapes they don't really have to play from you know a 20 tram they can play from central if they want to but they can just go shot shot take you from anywhere um, and Luai on the other side, like we said, has the, the 
beauty of having Burton there, who also helps out with the ball playing side of things. If he doesn't want to play shorter, he just wants to run. At times, he's got that option just to give the ball early to Burton and, and let him figure out what he wants to do. But um, yeah, I, I'm really excited. I think this couldn't have worked out much better than what it has. And um, like I said, my only real concerns are the stuff off the field, unfortunately. And on the flip side, for Penrith, I just hope there's no early injuries. I don't want it to be one of those games where you see two or three guys possibly under a cloud go down early and just feel like you know that contest might be taken away. You want to see a bit the field, both fit, have things work out, and see a good game of footy where both teams have you know equal opportunity to get the job done. Then. Yeah. Um, so I think we've touched on just about everything now, but um, we sort of tied some of the Penrith points and a lot of what we talked about. But yeah, their bench as well, probably the last thing here. I think they're going to play a huge role, like I said, just with the re- the good clouds over a couple of those guys if they get a good first stint. Lane only got twelve minutes last week, but his leg speed and the damage he did. Martin, the simpler job he has, the better. Last week when he just did the scrap work and worked hard, kick pressure, defended, he was outstanding. Sorensen, what a story. Um, it's been a lot of opportunities, twice at the Sharks, once at Canberra, in and out. He's always been solid, but he's really grabbed it with both hands this year. He's been outstanding for Penrith. And May, I don't know what sort of minutes again he gets. It'd probably be more down to health and situation, how the game plays out, so probably limited minutes. But... Those three guys and generally a middle rotation, I wouldn't even be worried too much about fucking with your edges, and I hope he doesn't. Just roll those guys through the middle. Do your best to take care of later and fish. Get the most out of them you can. Last game of the year that they need to need to do the right thing. 100%. So we've reached that time. It's time for a powerful Penrith Solar prediction for the game. We're going to get our who we think will win and by how much first try scorer and our men of the match. But remember it is that time of the year. Summer is upon us. Daylight saving starts on the weekend so it is time to jump on board and get solar and there's no one better than Penrith Solar Centre. They are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how they can help you and your family become the real winners today with quality solar solutions. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 20 29 30 today. Brock, Penrith powerful prediction. Who wins and by how much? Um, I've got the Panthers winning, mate. I've got them winning 30 to 12 is my score prediction. Wow, so you got them by 18. Yeah, I think they've left points down there in both those games. Um, I just don't think if Penrith produced their best, that South's a quite up to that level and that's no disrespect to, to South City I think they thoroughly deserve to to win that qualifying final but I do think Penrith were out of sorts whether you know those same tactics will produce the same results unsettling results for South remains to be seen um, whether Penrith can take the learns and ask those points that they left out there also remains to be seen so uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that you know this is where Penrith want to be. You know the, the redemption from last year. You know we've all lost, played in grand final losses. I know how much they burn. Like I can't imagine losing a first grade grand final and then you know having the opportunity to go straight back there the next year. That's just you know every player's dream. And I don't think they're going to be leaving anything in the tank here. But. You know, I also fully respect South Sydney. I think they're a fantastic team. I think they could easily win this game. 
Dwight Bennett, Adam Reynolds, um, you know, narrative Benji Marshall. That they've proven that they can beat the Panthers. Um, but yeah, that's that's my prediction for the game. All right. Well, I'm very wary of South, and I've had some feelings where I was borderline tipping them, but much to you when I put my coach's hat on and take out all those little factors about health and the game itself and injury clouds on guys. I've got Penrith, but I think South have certainly shown a lot more than I expected during the finals, so I've got Penrith by eight. Um, I think it'll be closer than what I think, a lot closer than what people think, but yeah, if Penrith got it right, everyone's healthy and they tear bust. Um, and they get some early points, you know, I could see exactly what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, I'm really wary of South and all those factors we just spoke about. Reynolds' last game, Wayne, the way he got them up, Gagai's last game before he moves on, Benji, um, and just this whole situation. Did, didn't see it coming. They've surprised me. And uh, they, they certainly shocked me winning week one as well. So I'm sure they'll have plenty of confidence and I think we're going to have a real tight game. But first try scorer, who do you like? Well, I'm, I'm going to back two. I'm back in Tottenham and I'm back in Johnson. I just think... Just the wingers, yep. Yeah, I, like, I, know, I think Penrith left so many points out there on the, their left-hand side over the last two games against South. It's not funny. Um, and I'm happy to back that up with... You know, I'm going to put a few photos and a few posts up on our um, on our page post the release of the podcast. Probably more on, on Friday and Saturday just to highlight, you know, how many chances they've left out there. And look, I'm just, I know that if, if where South are going to go, they're going to go to the left. And, you know, Johnson's going to be on the end of it. So, mate, I've already had a bet. I've just had 25 bucks on both those boys to to score first try. And, yeah, I think I got, I think I boosted both of them. I think I got $10 maybe. So, yeah, you know, essentially I'm having those two at five to one and I'm, I'm quite happy to go with those odds. Yep, fair enough. And uh, I'm going to go Matt Burton. I think I can see that early kind of yeah. shape that we talked about when they get in there and they try to use kick-out to set it up. And if they get a little bit trigger-happy and they get sewer interested, I can see a world where if he gets on the outside of Campbell Graham, he throws a dummy, uh, just goes inside Paulo. So I'm going Burton. And last but not least, your man of the match and Clive Churchill medalist. Oh, I'm going, uh, you going Cleary. Yeah, Nathan. But uh, I'm going to have a bet on both teams so if, if Penrith win I think Cleary wins it if South win I'm going Cam Murray I'm going to have a little bet on Cam Murray as well so uh, yeah that's it like, I'm, I'm just loading up on Cleary I, yeah yeah I, I I like both the locks but my pick obviously going with Penrith I've picked Isaiah Yo. I think uh, again unsung a lot of what he's done you know, in particular the last few weeks and in the season in general and I, I think He'll play a huge part in this game and what he does. But, yeah, I, I like you. I think the value, I think Cleary's so short that you have to have a, a significant bet, obviously. But um, Cody I'm Walker. To, I'm going to. Yeah, Murray and Yo opened at about 15 apiece. And I thought, you know, 10 or 20 there each. I, I could definitely see a world with those two guys, uh, uh, guys that could win that award. So now that we've got our predictions, let's look at some of those markets and See some prices and some value brought to you uh, by the one that I mentioned before. The draw, halftime draw, ten to one. With blue bet. Yes. Excellent. Well, bluebet.com.au. There is no one better to bet with than a true blue Aussie bookie. Jump on the website or download the app today. Massive thank you, like we said again at the start of the year, for them for supporting our charity account. We're just over eight hundred dollars there for 
bears of hope. Hopefully, we got two fifty dollar bets this week. We can crack the thousand. And, uh, similar to you, box said, I've had some bets, but I've sat here and thought for try scorers and that this year. Instead of having a big bet, I'm going to pick a hot spot on the field, and I'm going to spread the roulette table with a couple of uh, lower lower uh, bet amounts, but high dividend. So similar to you, John. I'm going to have 20 bucks on that bet. I'm going to have 20 bucks on the draw at half time. So that'll get us 200. That'll get us to the 1,000. You're going to bet one of the 50s on the draw? No, no, no. Well, well, didn't you say we're going to do... Can't we, can't we split our bonus bets up or we're going to have 50? I don't know if you can split them. I think it's 250. We can split them up and just have amounts and just to, a, to the amount of 100. We'll see how it goes. They're in your account, so you're going to have to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, but anytime, try. Well, they, well, they might be gone on Saturday, mate. When I have a couple of great northerns and I'm on the deck, and you know I get itchy fingers, and I just the next year Flemington's about to run, and I just I just have the hundred on something in the in the seventh at Flemington, mate. Well, mate, let me tell you, you've got to control the demon inside when the finger starts itching and you go, oh, look, I don't know what the bonus bet's for, mate. It's for charity, mate. It's not fucking for you to piss up the wall. It's not for me to do to gamble on a Saturday. On some donkey in the races who gets stuck in traffic and, you know. It's going to hit the barrier and lose the jockey, mate. Yeah, we don't want it, mate. But uh, if you take... Just our predictions and the odds that are there. First try scorer, like you said, Tyler Johnston, no surprise. They're both the favourites. $8 with bluebet.com.au. My pick of Burton is $13. Um, pretty good value there. And looking at the man of the match market, the Clive Churchill medalist, surprise, surprise, Nathan Cleary, shortest odds, $3.75 with bluebet.com.au. Cody Walker, the favourite for South, six fifty. Murray Yo have been backed into $11 a piece, started at 15 The other key spine players, which are generally the ones you'd probably bet on, Upsar, Coruscant, 13 Cook, 15 Luai, 15 Reynolds, 17 And the fullbacks are both $34. So, big odds. Um, and with that theory, like I said here before... Yep, and another guy who kicked a goal, set up a try, made 150 metres and was super important. I'm not saying man of the match, but he was certainly up there. Yeah. So that was my theory, and with that theory, first try scorers. We know where Souths go. Left side's the hot spot. Johnston, short odds. I've gone away from it. I've spread my money out. So Keon Kalamatungi for a $5 bill. And where is it? I've lost my bloody thing here. For Kaloma Tungi first try, $34. So I've done the roulette theory. Five on him. Cody Walker at 16 or 17, now down to 15 $5. And Gagai. He first last week, didn't he? Yep, and Gagai scored, I think, the last two times against Penrith first. He's $20. There you go. So instead of taking Johnston, any of the... Johnston crashes over in the corner. If any of those three crash inside, it's a $15 outlay, but in all scenarios, uh, one's close to 100, one's well over 100, and one's 90. Yeah, but the way Penner's defend, if there's going to be space, it's going to be on the outside, not on the inside, so. But I like your theory. Yeah, well, like I said, rather than load it up on the one, it's just, you know, a couple of little small chips on the roulette table, that's all. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, with a similar... The roulette dealer just fucking sweeps the ball away, son. In the last few years, I've loaded up on the Clive Churchill. And Day again, motherfucker. Day again, motherfucker. Smith didn't pan out last year. Pappenhausen, rightfully so, was outstanding. Uh, I'm trying to remember the year before that. The year before that was Tedesco. We got that one. Yeah. Uh, the year prior, I was on the Storm, so I definitely didn't win. The Roosters won that one. 2017. What was 2017? Storm. Billy was... Slater, we won on that one. Nah, uh, didn't Cronk win it? No, no, it was Slater. Slater yeah, I think I went Smith again in that game, so I lost again. Yeah, I had Slater. I won on that one. Uh, 16 against the Sharks I didn't have, obviously, and it was Luke Lewis. Yeah, no, we didn't have that one. 15, Thurston, we're all on Thurston. I don't think he deserved yeah, it. Thurston, we shouldn't have got paid that night, though. Nah, uh, we won for Burgess in 14, I remember that. Won quite handsomely. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a pretty good run. But this year... I sat there and I was like, I'm, I'm not loading up. I'm, I'm doing a similar theory again. So as much as I like Yo and I liked Murray, I sat there when they were at 15s to start the week and thought, mm, possibly a tenner on each. So that's what I did. And I got 15 apiece, so it's 150 if they both pay. And then I thought, well, fuck it. I like the fact that those two fullbacks who have both been very busy are long odds. So I had $5 apiece when they were both at 34. So, again, spreading the chips. It's a $30 outlay, and all of them potentially win 150 150 and 170 170 But the big bets I've had, uh, you know, probably the most simple ones that could happen, which, first of all, Brian Totter, left-hand side. I think I like Burton, but because I like Penrith and I like Toto, I'm just going to have a straight-up hundy at $2.60 for Toto any time and Penrith to win. Yeah, I had that two minutes after full time in the Panthers Melbourne game last week, um, and I got two dollars seventy five. So yeah, so I'm not I just Toto and Penrith. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not dicking around this year with Churchills and short odds and first try scorers. I, I sprinkled some chips on the board for lower odds, which could get a good pay, but I'm pushed all in on the Brian Toto try win combo. Uh, yeah. Hopefully take an ice collect there, which will cover up for if I lose all the other bits, which will only be... For any potential blind sand shoes elsewhere. Oh, yes. So, that's what I've done. If, look, if Brian Toe doesn't score a try, the answer is a pineapple. Oh, I'll be heartbroken. He'd have to cut his ankle off to stop him, surely. Yeah. The other one I had a little save on was Johnson to score, Penrith to win. Yeah. Because um, there'd be nothing, nothing worse than... Having Penrith win, but Paul not scoring, and Johnson getting two. Yeah. And thinking, well, what I done? But anyway. Well, the odds with bluebet.com.au just head to head. Panthers now a dollar sixty-seven. Souths were at about two twenty-five last time I looked. Now with bluebet.com.au, they're two twenty. The line minus two and a half. Penrith plus two and a half. Souths one to twelve. Panthers two eighty-five. Three forty for Souths. Thirteen plus. Panthers three fifty. Five fifty. Uh, for South in that regard you know you got line options there first try like we said the two wingers 8-8-50 Crichton he scored first I think last two times he's 9 Paulo's been scoring the last few weeks 11 Burton 13 Walker good value 15 uh, the halves like we said Cleary the back rowers used to be our go 5 apiece if you did that Kikau would get you 19 uh, Kalama Tungi like I said huge odds 34 now he's on that left, that's that's a good chance. Kate, well, yeah, 23. Five bucks on the back row, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, 
Sewer 41. So some, some big odds yeah. there. But and he would, I just, as we spoke about before, I know that both halves are going to, um, well, all four halves are going to want to play nice and deep and they're going to have their back rowers just flying under the footy. So um, I particularly like the South, if, if it's going to be Sewer playing on the right, on that potential pop line that they might try and run on Burton if Burton wants to get up ahead of the line. So yeah, there's a few little ones. And like I said before, Kalong Patangi is inside shoulder. So there's a lot of... Um, little areas around there that I like that could expose um, and allow a back row to score so yeah yeah and, uh, got here as well anytime Brian to owes $1.72 which is why I've obviously comboed it with the win Johnston $1.80 yeah. Crichton $1.90 Paulo $2.25 Burton $2.60 Walker I think again if you just want a straight up head to head bet he's always around the footy he's always running good value at three twenty. Gagai uh, always dangerous three sixty. Momorowski, Campbell Graham, 360. Kikiar, 360. Nath and Edwards are at 375. Taff, 415. Yeah, they're probably too. I like, I like Edwards and Cleary at that price. If you're going to go a bit more value for an any time, like I know they don't concede in the middle very often, but Murray's always dangerous inside 20. And that central yeah. shape, $6 is pretty good going. Uh, there's not really many other at long, like 750 for Kalamatungi straight up for any time, I think, huge value. Um, yeah. just for any time let alone first but yeah some pretty good odds there from bluebet.com.au and in the Churchill market like we said uh, a spattering but it's generally a spine player more commonly it's been fullbacks and halves so no surprise Cleary and Walker 375 650 respectively the two hookers Coruscant Cook 13 15 Luai 15 Reynolds 17 and the two fullbacks um, again I don't think it's out of the possibility uh, impossible. They're certainly probably not the two guys that have the flashiest sort of game, but $34 a piece. Uh, you know, there's been some left field ones. I think I heard Cooper Cronk say kick out to avenge the game last year and have a big night and score a double. He's $34 with bluebet.com.au. Um, the two locks, like we said, good value for the roles they play for their team. $11 a piece in from 15 is there any other sort of sneaky outside value you'd think about if have any forwards or someone else to pull something out of the bag? No, not really. Not really. Maybe both, both the hookers, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. 15 apiece. Mm. I like... Um, yeah, I, think, I think you can get bogged down. You, you, can, you can convince yourself that everyone can win it, and they can. Because you... You're never going to know how the game's truly going to play out. So you just you go with your gut. Like, you know, we've all got a different thought and theory, you know, even in a small way of how the game's going to play out. You know, we've even got differences of opinion. So just back, back, your, back, your, back your gut. Back what you think is going to happen. And, you know, if you've got a feeling about someone winning it, then back it. Yeah. Well, like I said, just I'll... enjoy the game. Don't let that fucking gamble, Mario. Nah, well, flutter and better, better, better as much as you're going to be happy to lose, and that's it. Enjoy the footy. Well, that's what I said. My serious bets on what I can see happening. Those few roulette chips are yeah. things that I could see happening for a bit of a pop. I've already had a hundred bets. Like I just, it's good. The bonus, the bonus bets from the any I've got stocked up in you know my accounts across different betting agencies I'll just you know have a little tenner on like I said before like you know 20 bucks on a little half time score or what just little bits of interest and 
that's bonus money anyway. That's money that I've lost, and they've sort of said to me, "Yeah, you can have that back." So yeah, um, I just have a couple of throw of the stumps, and yeah, I'm gonna have um, two big bets, man. I'll have a big bet on Cleary to win Clive Churchill, and I have a big bet on that that double. I'm with you on that double. So well, the one I have a little saver just on Penrith Johnson as well. So. The other one I like, but your line suggests otherwise. Uh, I like the line total double with bluebet.com.au. I like Panthers minus two and a half and under 37 and a half at $3.70. Yeah. So I think you predicted, what, 30 to 12, so that would be going over. I reckon it'll stay under. Um, so 370 for that. If you went the over, it'd be 350 Yeah. But... There you go. There's some uh, markets. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. No better bookie than the true blue bookie. And thank you again for the support for the charity account this year. You've got our Penrith Solar powerful predictions. I'm still very wary of South. And again, I don't like buying in, like you said, to uh, stories and mystique and this, that, and the other. But the, the, the health stuff generally does worry me a little bit and has the three wars taken a toll I think there's just so much more there for Penrith in what happened last year and what they've overcome but they just seemed so determined to get the job done and I think they will but I've got no doubt in my mind and I can picture ways again that South Sydney do win this premiership and Wayne Bennett wins his seventh premiership and a lot of these guys go out very happy but um, yeah my my tip's Penrith but I'm very very wary of South Sydney yeah and, uh, to, to finish this off, let's run through a little bit which has been going on. We won't spend a whole lot of time, but the Dallium Awards the other night took place. No surprise about the winner. No, we predicted it. Yeah, yeah. he obviously... Quite, quite easy to, um, to predict, really. Mm. Well, he, he missed some Don't games. He deserved the medal, and, um, you know, I think, uh, I think Nathan, Nathan Cleary can feel unlucky, but... Mate, he's been second or um, on two occasions now, so it's only a matter of time you keep playing or you're going to win one. Yeah. Did you like the top five system that they... I fucking hated the whole coverage of it. I hated it across two nights. Yeah. I hate the fact that they're just focusing on five players until, you know, they get to the end. No, I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, I thought that the highlight of the whole two nights was LA. <laughs> LA. Straight away, yeah. all the Western Sydney. Yeah. So someone actually put a photo up on Twitter or Facebook saying they reckon it was a teleprompter. Yeah, it was. Like it would have had sort of split the name up, and that's how it happened. So Vlandis actually didn't get the name wrong. Like he would have just sort of read it how it. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, well, he's done. He's done the wrong. Yeah, it's funny for anyone out there. Yeah. If if you like Anchorman, he's done the wrong Burgundy. God damn it! What did I tell you? If you put it on the teleprompter, he'll read it. <laughs> okay, Ale. and he loved it. And all, just all the all the memes and the videos, like you know, roast put a stack out this week it was fucking hilarious yeah. so. shout out to Dean there's some good content I especially oh, man, yeah. I was, like, the one of course like, I'm, I'm a sucker man like once once that happened it was like within half an hour an hour and all those whole heaps of content it was, yeah, it was great all those people that do all that stuff like I'm not tech savvy at all so I love it yeah the, it's outstanding so the few 
the few video clips he had edited were good and I especially enjoyed the one of the lad because it sounded like pig Latin and out here obviously the lads it sounded like that's basically how he was trying to say his name O'Shea yeah, O'Shea you, you didn't say it live and I sent you the photo of the lad the next morning it was outstanding. What the fuck Yeah, I was, I was cooked the day before, so I missed everything. And then I watched the, re- watched the replay the night after and pissed myself as soon as it happened. Yeah, and I just don't want the format. I'll, I want the Brownlow format. And anything less than the Brownlow format, and I'll be disappointed. Yeah. Because I'm a traditionalist, and people go, that's fucking boring listening to votes for, from 25 rounds. But I love footy, and I'd sit there and I'd salivate over listening to the votes from every game. I think it should be under um, under wraps the whole year, and we should be able to talk about it and speculate on it the whole year, and then you know be sometimes surprised, shocked, disappointed in who wins the award. But I, yeah, I, I like this system. I think the AFL does that really well. Credit where credit is due. I don't think we do it well at all. I thought, yeah, the coverage like they were, they were giving away like sort of awards on 360 and yeah it was just it was hard to follow and, yeah I don't know just I don't I didn't think it did, did our game justice I don't think it did the award winners justice I think mm. we could do it much better that's just my opinion yeah I'm, I'm with you and I also I want to hear every every vote from every game um, and I and I want to see all those awards Handed out in like a presentation, an interview presentation. I wanted to go for three to four hours. I want to just sit and enjoy and watch all the highlights and consume it. You know, but that, that's me. Yeah, I also don't like Team of the Year still. I think it was pretty accurate uh, in the most part, but like how Bradman Best gets nominated for Centre of the Year is a fucking joke. Like the fact that they had to add Olam in late, which again proves the flaw in the system yeah, because of, because of voting. Like, of course he's not going to get many votes in a team that has Harry Grant, Cheese, and, like, the centres don't get a lot of votes. Like, Best gets him because he's at Newcastle. But, yeah, he won. And then it's like, well, hold on a minute. Surely Manu polled more votes than him. I'm not saying, you know. Yeah, that's right. I, I can make an argument easily for Manu, Olam, and Burton. They're all outstanding. But it's like, hold on. One minute he wasn't fucking nominated. Now he's in the team of the year. Yeah, he's won it. Like, fucking hell. And, yeah, yeah like... Six, Cody Walker was obvious. Cleary at seven was obvious. Cheese at nine, I thought um, that's correct. Haas and Fish, props, no problem. Back row, I thought Kikiao was a little bit, how you going? To get one of the spots. Papa Lee, no doubt. Yeah. Um, the nominations, Olak Artu, Satili, Isaiah and him, like, you know, I know Fafida, we said it had a checkered year, and I thought any of the wins that they had, surely he... Fafida was better than Kikiao. I'm not even saying that, but again, on, on the on the system for the voting, I thought, well, surely he would have got almost three pointers when he, he had the. Tries to score. He scored like sixteen tries. Uh, Angus Crichton not nominated surprised me. I thought Barnett. Yeah, surprised me as well. Barnett had a really good year. I'm not saying he's up in that class, but again, to not get nominated or not be in, um, yeah, there was a few guys I kind of thought maybe in the mix. Locke was very obvious. It was Yo. If not, I would have been happy with Murray, but I thought Yo was definitely the best yeah. one um, so overall yeah just like you said there's some small things in the system that need to be fixed that's for sure yeah. I still don't understand how they can't just vote on a team of... I just don't understand how they don't have a panel at the end of the year with some judges or people and pick the team then like Dally M's obviously a voting system but the team should be like the you know 
AFL sort of thing as well, where they sit down and they come up with the best team. Yeah, that's right. That would be the better way to do it. And you avoid these moments where they go, oh, it was an administrative error and Olam is nominated. That old chestnut. So, fuck it, hell, that's embarrassing. The old administrator error. Yeah. Well, unfortunately... I am sorry. I fucked up. We have made a mistake and we will not own it. We'll just drop in. (laughs) The old, oh, look, I found a piece of paper. A fax came through. It's Justin Olam. It is Justin Olam. Yeah. And I love him. But, yeah, I was like, fucking hell. This this has gone haywire. Um, We've got some negative stuff to talk about. Uh, It's been done to death, so we don't need to do a whole lot. And we'll finish with some signing news and bits and pieces going on. But the Reese Walsh thing, uh, the cocaine, not good. Not smart, probably even worse the fact that it was a move on order that he didn't follow, which led to him getting taken to the cop shop in the first place where they searched him. So, not saying it's not saying it's right, but if he would have just followed the order in the first fucking place, he doesn't get picked up. Um, so, in his own sense, like you know, penny drop moment, sad really to have such a good year, break into the Queensland squad, have all this good press around you. And then the backstory as well being that I think, you know, I'm not specifically sure, but I think part of it was, you know, upbringing where one of his parents may have been involved with some drugs and wasn't his life and it wasn't a path he was going to take. So, you know, Coke's very, very big issue in society and it's rife everywhere. It's not just in rugby league, but, um, yeah, with all the story and the good stuff that came out during the year, it was disappointing that it ended up with him. I'm, I'd say for him to come out straight away in the club and just cop it on the chin, own it, take sole responsibility, do all the things they've done, uh, probably the best way to handle it. Yeah, I thought they handled it um, really, really well. It's dead buried. But, dumb, but he's young and you do dumb things when you're young as long as you learn from it, move on. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have brought up why aren't they getting tested in the off-season. I'm pretty sure it's in the CBA now that in the off-season they get left alone. And I know, you know, people are like, well, it's illegal in society, this, that, and the other. But again, I don't know about uh, young people in particular between the ages of 18 and 40. But if you've gone out anywhere now, don't tell me you haven't seen or don't know that it's fucking rife. It is rife. Yeah. It's not just a football problem. I'm not defending it because I know Valandi said it yesterday and I was like, well, that's not really a good thing to say because you've sort of just flat batted it. But it, it is a societal problem. But don't, like, flat bat it like, ah, oh, it's just not footy. Um, but... Let, let's face the reality, and we know it ourselves. In the off-season, some of these blokes do do some things that are questionable. The bigger thing is, if you are going to do it, and I don't condone it, you need to be fucking smart about it. And yeah. in his case... Some of, them, some of them do it during the season, mate. Like, yeah, in the end... Yeah, they're just... People are going to do what they, what they do, and uh, football players or not, age has a hell of a lot to do with it, whether people like that or not. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, people go, why they take the risk? Well, for people to get to this level and be good at the job they do, there's a lot of risk involved in what they do. So these... uh, it's just, yeah, but you're looking, to, you're looking for a reason or an excuse, and sometimes there isn't one. Sometimes no. it's just they do it until they get caught, and then they go, fuck, I should have done that, and I'll yep. do it in the future. That's it. But... Yep. Um, yeah. And the other one, unfortunately, especially for me, after they fucking lost last week, Munster, Brent Smith, and I think now they've said Chris Lewis, the video with the white substance on the table that no one knows what it is. Oh, it's not fucking half obvious what it is. It's not salt. Yeah, that's for sure. So that, that, that whole thing, I was like, really? We don't know what it is. 
I think we fucking know what it is. I tell you what, they are not making some sort of slice or bake. Let me give it a tip. Um, yeah, it's not cooking salt either. It's not salt, mate. But fucking even like, the monster dancing on the table with your kid off, like for fuck's sake. Um, the, the thing that gets me here, and I've, I've gone there again and I'll go back there again. And we've brought this up again, having been in the circles and I, I was involved in a bad Monday that went awry with somebody that ended up getting sacked and I won't bring it up, but the people that let outsiders in and we've brought this again, you are fucking stupid. Every time an outsider comes to any of this, and again, I'm not condoning what they did, but, but I'm pretty sure the video was done by an outsider. And what I mean by an outsider is not someone from the club. So whether it's a friend of theirs or whatever, when you... When you mingle in with your mates or you've got mates outside, you need to be really, really careful what you do. And I've said this to guys before, you've got something to lose and they don't. So for them, it might be mad to party with Karen Munster or Brandon Smith and whatever else. And again, I don't condone what they did, but if you're going to do that sort of shit, you do that within your own circles and in closed groups, not in a room with a few other guys that aren't involved in what you do or in your sort of line of work and putting yourself in that situation. How the fuck do you not realise you've been recorded? Or if you're happy to be recorded, how stupid are you? Yeah. Like, honestly, and uh, they get again, I've said all the other stuff before. They get all the education, they know the right and wrong, they know the, the chances they're taking, but it's just a bad look and fucking dumb. Like, again, if you're going to let randoms hang out with you and party with you and take that risk, you, you get everything, you deserve everything that's coming to you because it's just not smart. Um, and on the flip side of that, I know the argument again, people bringing up role models, this, that, the other, and we've said it before. If your one role model is a lot of the rugby league players, well, then I think you're fucking, you're not really making a smart choice. Because, yeah, while they are some kids' heroes and they are role models, and there is expectations, no doubt, they're in a privileged position, they need to be smarter. A lot of these blokes aren't ideally who your kids should be looking up to. No, I, I don't like that argument. I just think it's a no. dull argument. Yeah, but again, um, yeah, I don't think that that's sort of a side argument. And like, if you're looking for, you know, an excuse to sort of justify why other people do it, or fucking like, irrespective, it doesn't make it okay whether they're role models or not. So, no, no, no um, doubt. And yeah, like, do we want all of our role models to be perfect? Because no one's perfect. No one's perfect. What they did so, is fucking stupid. But again. They've risked it. They just, it could have been handled a lot better. I think it hasn't been handled real well by the Melbourne Storm, which is, yeah, surprising. But well, I think more of that's on the CEO. They left Bellamy out to dry. The two at the Dally yeah, M. Like, Bellamy. No, nah, that's the point. But Bellamy had to answer questions at the Dally M after he just won yeah, Coach of the Year in his horrendous. press conference. Frank Panisi got on the front foot straight away and said exactly what you'd want to say, that you're disappointed in what they've done is dumb and et cetera, et cetera. Then you got Rodsky just use the old copy and paste statement that every club uses, saying we'll wait for the investigation and we'll get back. And they then wrote an open letter, sort of, to the fans. But I'm like, fuck, you needed to be out in the front foot straight away, taking the heat off the others. This is your job, regardless of yeah, pending yeah, investigation yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like. But yeah, I think irrespective of whether the integrity unit is um, investigating it, you still can be disappointed and you can still reprimand them and you can still you know nip it in the bud 
irrespective of what the integrity in it comes back with, like in the end, you've got to make your own decision on what you think is appropriate in terms of punishment. And it's a bit of a cop out to say, oh, the integrity in it's um, investigating. I didn't like that. Well, they're saying they're waiting for an outcome, but I know. But they can they can draw their own outcome. They're still going to have to draw their own. Their own yeah, they will. But they're doing obviously waiting for them to do their part. Then they're going to put it on top. So I, I can see a Penrith situation where I think Naden got two games from the NRL, a monetary fine, and then Penrith added a couple of games on top. I have no doubt the financial side is going to be big. They're talking about percentage of contracts. So for someone like Munster, it could be up to fifty thousand. For Cheese, it could be twenty thousand. Lewis, much smaller contract, maybe 5,000 and games. And then I can see the club, similar deal, imposing sanctions on top. And uh, they said today that they're all obviously going to front up once it's all concluded and they're going to have to address the media and address the public and tell the members and fans why they did what they did and put them. And I think that's, as a fan, that's the other thing that kind of disappoints her. Like, it was such a good year. It ended on such a disappointing note. And then in grand final week, like not only for the game to do it, but like it's the last thing the fucking club needed. It's embarrassing, and then, you know I think Cameron Smith sort of said it. Like for a lot of years down there, they've searched for relevancy, and even with all the success and that, they still fight for it and respect and building that club up and doing all the right things. And th- these sort of things are just black eyes that they don't want. Yeah. Um, and my thing, Brandon Smith, uh, for the most part, has been great while he's been down there, and it's the first sort of slip up on, on his part but for Munster I'm more disappointed because it's like it's been eight seasons now you've had multiple things before the Ben Hunt situation there's been some alcohol stuff they've tipped him up on and yeah they keep him around he's a good football player he's a larrikin he's this that and the other but at what point do you, do you just grow the fuck up and realise the position you're in and, and Smith's gone Slater's gone Cronk's gone he's a leader now at that club he's the man for Queensland and I don't think he played that well this year he was right last year I didn't think he was really good for the most part of the season. I said in my own words that, to me, he's the least important part of the spine. And my feeling now after this, people saying they'll get rid of him and I'll sack him. They won't sack him. But I do think, and it wouldn't surprise me, if he played this year and the year after with the side coming in, whether it's Redcliffe, which is most likely going to be, that if he ended up at Redcliffe after this year, the new Brisbane club. Yeah, um, for Brandon Smith, I think this puts Melbourne in a spot, more, a better spot to keep him, um, in all honesty, rightfully or wrongly. And other people are saying they should sack him. It's like, well, if you don't think every club's going to sign him regardless of his actions, you're kidding yourself. That's rugby league. You've seen it before with Carney, all these sorts of guys. When talent hits the market, it doesn't matter what happens. If anything, they just look at it as a cheaper price tag. I don't think this has hurt his price tag per se, but I think he'll be more than, more than likely he's already mentioned Melbourne and the loyalty and the struggle to leave a lot of times I think this might solidify him staying at Melbourne yeah but yeah. Um, at the end of the day I can see people's arguments in all sides of things but my thing just from like I said us being players and coaches and whatever else like any time there's phones involved and illegal activity and you've got randoms whether they are your mates or you think they're mates if you're going to do that sort of shit you've got to keep it in house rightly or wrongly if you're bringing randoms in, like, what, you're just fucking asking for trouble. We've seen it so many times now. The fact that the penny hasn't dropped just blows me away. Yeah, that's right. Pure stupidity. Um, and finishing off with some quick snippets, Ash Taylor. Looks like he's going to the New Zealand Warriors on a training trial deal, and if he does the right thing and hits some checkpoints, it'll turn into a top 30 contract worth $100,000. So a $900,000 pay cut, but an opportunity, I guess. 
So if he wants to play, hundred percent, they get a half in. Uh, Johnson, who they've got over, they got for less as well. What's that, mate? I'll be happy to see him stay at the Titans on that sort of deal. Well, exactly, and he was trying to push them or others for more money, but this is where he's at now. So um, They've got the situation where Nick Arima's possibly leaving. Sullivan, they haven't re-signed yet. Tevita Harris had a couple of injuries. He's off contract, potentially looking elsewhere. Johnson's been injury-prone, even though he's come back, so um, could be a cheap option and someone to have there. They've also talked that Kane Evans is going to be moved to the Super League if possible, which is no surprise after the actions this year. So keep your eyes open for something along those lines to happen. Um, Jamal Fogarty, all the talk is now after not being able to get a release. Apparently it's looking likely that he might get that release. So assuming that he's probably going to end up at Canberra. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that was my thought. And yeah, I don't know. Why did they sign him? They only signed an extension for Fogarty a couple months ago. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I find yeah, it yeah. weird. Well, if he wants to go, then let him go. And the other thing's depth. They haven't really signed Tanner Boyd. Um, you've got two halves, essentially, because it looks like Brimson might have well, to play it. If I him on the weekend, I wouldn't be rushing to re-sign him anyway. What's that, sorry, mate? I wouldn't be rushing to sign Tanner Boyd after what I saw on the weekend in the Q Cup game. No, my point being, though, you don't have him, and if they let Fogarty go, they've basically got Brimson and Sexton. That's it. So, surely, like, I don't think Fogarty, they would have broke the bank for him. And I know they just signed him, and it's weird. You know, they, they stood their ground, now they're potentially going to let him go. But I'm like, well, fuck, surely you want someone extra there in your halves. They've got a, one of the Australian schoolboys who just got picked, but he's a couple of years away, and Tom Weaver. You need somebody to back up. Yeah, there's someone else out there that they're looking at, you know, potential swap or, you know, yeah. Or they're putting a lot of... That's going to be the end of it. No, so there's talk now that they're sort of talking about it and they're trying to get a... The player swap thing seems like it's off the table now. They talk about a fee. Canberra don't seem interested in that, so God knows where it's going to land, but um, it's a weird one. I just find it weird that you extend somebody and you praise him and he's been your captain and everything else and then suddenly... In an off season, uh, now it's like okay, well, maybe you can go. Like, in fact, the, the moods change really quickly. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. Uh, Levi, Denny Levi, no surprise. Uh, he's ended up in the Super League, signed for Huddersfield for two years. The Bulldogs, two spots left. Gus has been tempting people on Twitter all week that the forward and the back will be signed by this weekend. The outside back, most people now are confirming or thinking it's going to be Braden Burns, but no surprise, he's got an affiliation from Penrith. Good signing. Uh, the forward, no one really has an idea. And there was also talk yesterday that Nick Kotrick had been linked to the Eels. So that would be an interesting one as to how that would work out, how much they'd have to pay, etc. if the Bulldogs would entertain that idea. And speaking of the Eels, I mentioned it. I don't think so. Mm. And speaking of the Eels, mentioned the last podcast, hooker depth, lost it, said about Mitch Rain being there for minimum wage, and I know he's not the greatest hooker, but you need at least three options. Well, surprise, surprise, he's now linked with Parramatta. So, cheap labour. True. 
that this that's the, that's this time of year. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. It's going to continue until you know probably around February where when it'll settle down. But uh, otherwise, yeah, we're just going to be in and out of uh, crazy town. Hundred percent. But there you go. That wraps us up. A huge grand final preview. Thanks to Penrith Solar Centre and Bluebet.com. Dot .au, uh, in-depth look at both sides, inside, outside, spines, packs, benches, tendencies, uh, keys to the game, and then obviously a little bit at the end here, uh, a couple of black eyes for the game, unfortunately, and hopefully it's not added on to this week with a postponement or any other issues or no crowd. I, I think that would be a real sad way to end if it does end up being in front of nobody, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how this week plays out, because like you said, with Palaszczuk, Anything could fucking happen. <laughs> Hopefully it's 75%. Um, and we get an absolute cracker contest on the weekend. So excited, Boxhead. For all the Penrith and South fans out there, I bet you're absolutely salivating and uh, super excited for the Panther fans looking for redemption off the back of last year, looking to go one better and ice the cake. And for South Sydney fans, the, the hope's still alive with Wayne three prelims wondering if you're going to get there Latrell goes everyone puts the red pen through and now they're in a grand final with a fairy tale ending potentially there for a couple of players so uh, really really looking forward to it and again fingers crossed nothing changes in the next few days and Sunday we're sitting down having a beer watching the rugby league yep enjoy guys enjoy and there you go we'll be back uh, next week after the grand final potentially see uh, how hungover we are on the public holiday Monday maybe Tuesday might have to be the go and we'll do do the grand final review and uh, I get we try and get awards done in the same show I guess uh, yeah we can do so maybe one last big show that'll do us but, uh, if not we'll break it up and do it at the end of the week but it'll be one or the other we'll uh, be back for the grand final review but for now Enjoy your week and enjoy the NRL Grand Final. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.